Shout out to us versus you for the tunes. All right, Matt here again uh, with my co-host Chris. We are excited. The Raiders are are they on fire? Oh, I'd say they're I don't on know. fire. Two and yeah, zero, baby. I, mean, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's a little overzealous, but uh, you know, in in our lifetimes, I don't know how many times we've been two and zero. So it hasn't been many. I think I said on uh, Twitter it was, uh, you know, two times in the last uh, nineteen years they've been two and zero. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go ahead and turn the sprinkler systems on because we're on fire <laughs> over here. So. <laughs> a little Grant Napier reference there. I like it. I like it. Yeah, you know, one bad team to another. So <laughs> I just had just watched a gut punch Giants loss here. So uh, meanwhile, I watched the the A's with a walk off homer. So you know, I'm in a good mood. Yeah. So my my tone might be a little bad for the first few minutes here. So, but the Raiders are coming off of a, a I would say just a gigantic win, Chris, thirty four twenty four over Drew Brees and the Saints on Monday night. Um, what did you think about the performance? Like, what did you think that was the most positive thing you saw there and uh, why? Ultimately, the thing that, that stood out to me the most, and there's a lot of stats and fun stuff we're going to dive into here in a minute, but was the resiliency that they showed. Because initially, after the first quarter, I, I texted one of my buddies and I was like, yeah, th- this is going to be an ass whooping. This is going to get ugly. And I, I firmly believed it. I That first quarter did not give me any inclination that there was going to be a good turnaround or anything like that it looked awful um oh absolutely yeah it was awful but, i was sitting here yeah. with my friends man we were just looking at each other like i i was hosting mm-hmm. and I, I learned a long time ago not to host raider games because <laughs> you're just getting an awful mood you know and oh, yeah. it's like 10 it's like 10 zero and i'm like about ready to send everybody home and then <laughs> it, it just slowly started to turn into like you could see gruden's plan start to yeah. come together a little bit you know so yeah, once once things kind of started to it was almost like and it was like this a little bit in week one where the first possession, granted for the Carolina game, it was one possession and then things turned around. Whereas in first game in Vegas, it took a whole quarter. It's almost like there's no preseason. So do the Raiders need to, you know, shake off preseason rust to start off every game? Like, I, I, I don't know. But if it's the recipe well, to win, then I don't know. Well, I've noticed they've had like, you know, they take a shot on the first drive every time. Uh-huh. It seems like so far, you know, we've had two games, but. So, you know, if you miss that shot and you kind of put yourself in a second and long or like a third and long, mm-hmm. and then it's like quickly off the field. And, and, you know, we'll get into a little bit later what I think they need to do on Sunday to win. But, you know, once they even with Josh Jacobs wasn't gaining yards, you know, it, when, once you get him involved, it's like the, the whole game changes. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. OK, he chunk he chunks off four yards here. So now it's second and six. And the Raiders, you know, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but that, you know, they were, they were highly successful on third down. And uh, besides the first quarter again, you know, and what, what it is, is that when they get to those, that's Gruden's offense, it's third and three, third and four. Then you start seeing, you know, Darren Waller for six and mm-hmm. Renfro for seven and Jason Witten for three. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's my guy, man. He's averaging one catch a game for three yards. So <laughs> I'm excited about that. So I was thinking, um, you know, one of the things I noticed and, you know, you and I talked about before we uh, got on here tonight was that, uh, you know, they're they're dominating in the penalty category. Yes. Uh, yeah. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? I know you're excited about Oh, that. yeah. That, that was something that I was fired up for after week one because, you know, growing up as a Raiders fan, now in the position to where I get to cover them for Silver and Black today, the Raider Ramble and all that, it, it it's never been – 
it's been a week to week thing. It's like, oh yeah, you know, week ten the Raiders only had four penalties, and it's like, whoa, that's great. You never see that anymore. Like that never happens. So to have consistency through the first two games is crazy. I remember in 2016 Raiders beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and setting an NFL record in terms of penalty yards. So that's what Raiders fans are accustomed to seeing. So to see not only is the team two and zero, but they're also up in the tops in terms of fewest penalties. They have the second fewest penalties with six. The team that currently leads the NFL in terms of like least amount of penalties, ironically, is the New England Patriots with five. And then also to that point with the Raiders, they have zero pre-snap penalties. So there's no none of those blunders, you know, as, as those like yeah, those just encroachments with on third and three things that make you, know? you want to yeah. throw something at the TV. Yeah, like uh, with Tommy Kelly jumping off sides on third and four. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah I mean, I, you know, to touch on it a little bit too is like, you know, when I, when the Raiders score like a, a touchdown, you know, I'm used to like looking, oh, is there a flag? Oh, you know, like, it, are we getting that call back? Even on a first you know? down, it was, it's like, yeah. how's, how and, are they going to uh, mess with us this time? I mean, ESPN had this like yellow graphic in the corner and like I just kept thinking there was a penalty on every play. <laughs> and uh well, it's just rare to see too, like where like you know the the Saints had, you know, um, o- over 120 yards in penalties, and it was like about a, I think it was 100, like a, the Raiders were like plus 113 or something, um, in yardage on penalties, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's a big difference in a football game, and and it wasn't like the Saints were just sloppy, and that, like that's what I tried to touch on in an article I wrote mm-hmm. was it wasn't like you know okay. The, the Saints played sloppy, and that, that's why the Raiders won. The Raiders, they, they baited him into those penalties quite a bit. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, Max, Max Crosby had a couple times where he beat his guy and got the holding calls. He had, there was a couple that they missed blatantly. Um, and then, you know, Ruggs had – he forced two, you know. Uh, his stat sheet didn't look great. Oh, yeah, that, that last he, one, though. That, that last one was crucial. Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes it's more like, you know, penalties are, you know, a way – like when you're when you're a more skilled team, you're beating them, this guy's over and over and over, They you know, then you draw a flag. So, like, the reason the Raiders – and even when they were good, you know, in the 70s and everything, you know, they, they were always the most penalized team. Mm-hmm. And, but when you're a bad team you and you give the referees a reason to look for flags, and, like, I've, I've said that for years, you can't blame the refs. Like, when you're the worst team in football every year, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, like, one of the worst teams in football yep. every year – you know, you do you play sloppy and like you you draw penalty flags and it's more like the referees looking for holding on the Raiders because they hold a lot mm-hmm. or you know like things like that. So, you know now they seem to be pretty, um, you know, fundamental and you know they have a good plan and they're not falling into situations that they need to you know use their hands as alignment or you know like g- grab the jersey as a corner you know things like that mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, our defense isn't playing up to par, but, like, one thing I can say is they're not getting – like you said, they're not getting those stupid penalties. So, mm-hmm. if you're not going to play good defense and, you know, you can't give up 15-yard penalties as well. So, so that's a very positive thing, and I, I know we were both really excited about that during the game, mm-hmm. texting each other. And then – I can't believe we didn't open with this, but <laughs> I just thought about it because I, I was looking at our logo here and – uh how did we not? How did we not? How, how did we? How did we not open the podcast with the fact that that's, the first touchdown of the season <laughs> in Vegas is Spider Two? You know, that's so fitting. Yeah, it was great. And um, so, you know, to you know, parlay off that a little bit, they had uh, you know a really great game with 
penalties. And I think like I've, I've said it for a long time that like good teams, they win based on fundamentals. And like you watch like the Patriots, you know, they don't, they don't have penalties and they mm-hmm. always lead They always lead in what time of possession. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I want to talk about how, you know, I don't remember Drew Brees being on the field in the third quarter, mm-hmm. you know, like, like he was, but like it was quick and the Raiders held the ball and they held the ball and they held the ball. It's the best strategy. And I'll tell you what, that's why people hate playing me in Madden. Cause that's the strategy. If I have the ball, guess what? You don't. And that's less time for you to score the ball. And it, I mean, it works. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, like when the tide shifted for me was like, it was 17, 14. And like, we got that Morrow pick right at the end of the mm-hmm. half. And, uh, you know, they tied it and I'm, I still like in my head, I'm thinking, man, like we were lucky to be tied at halftime. I'm like, you know, this, this game is, is might just get ugly in the second half. And then the Raiders come out and they have like, an, uh, you know, that huge drive, they drive all the way down the field and they take a big chunk out of the clock and it's fourth and one and they go for it with Darren Waller and they throw it to him on that one yard mm-hmm. play where he's wide open. And that, that drive right there, I don't, I think it was nine minutes. Yeah. You know, like it was, it was a long drive, man. I like saw they, a stat. It was one of those like win probability stats by ESPN. And once the Raiders went for it on that fourth down, scored the touchdown, their win probability jumped catapulted from like 9% all the way to like 60 something percent. Yeah. And you know, nobody, and I, we did, I mean, you, you, you thought, I think you predicted a win and, uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter, on Twitter, I predicted the exact score, but, uh, I, uh, I think that, you know, no, no national media members picked us to win that game and no, you know, local media members really felt confident. Oh no, in the I'm, game. I'm going and, through, I have my Twitter feed pulled up right now and, uh, I tweeted, I mean, he didn't respond. That's whatever. But I took a screenshot when I was watching NFL live before the game in between uh, Laura Rutledge, the host, Dan Orvalosky, Marcus Spears, and Mina Kimes, all of them picked the Saints. And I tweeted at Marcus Spears and I said, hey, well, at least you got the score right. Right. Yeah. And then there was, you know, I think Randy Moss predicted 40 to 24, 40 to 21 <laughs> or something. It, you know, it, I don't expect a lot of that. I don't expect a lot of people to predict the Raiders to win. I thought they played ahead last year of schedule, mm-hmm. I, you know, they weren't supposed to be even, a, they weren't supposed to be even four and 12. They, like everybody had the Raiders, you know, as like the number one pick last year mm-hmm. going into the season. And I thought that was a little, you know, too low, but they, they, they over succeeded. And when they blew the playoff spot last year, everybody was pissed off. And you know what? Like I thought they were young. They did, you know, they played very well and they, they took a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. If they can take a, if they can use that as a stepping stone this year, and like the things that plagued them last year, stupid penalties, like, you know, games that got away from them where they didn't have the time of possession mm-hmm. and like, you know, like these little basic things you and I are talking about, it's, you know, what's going to help them succeed. I think. Yeah. Tej, and when you look at the exact numbers, Raiders possessed the ball in week two for 36 minutes and 18 seconds. And the saints had it for 23 minutes and 42 seconds. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're just, if you're on the field more, you're going to score more points and you're going to give up less <laughs> points. It's pretty easy, pretty easy to figure out. Yeah. Know? And it's a, like, a great strategy when your defense is, uh, let's just say below average. Well, when you're playing, you know, a hall of fame quarterback and I don't, you know, I don't care what they say. Like, I don't care if breeze is washed, you know, cause the Raiders win 
and you go online and it's like, it's not like, Oh, the Raiders played a great game. Cause I, I thought that like, that was one of the best games I've seen the Raiders play oh, yeah. in, in, in Gruden's tenure in Jack Del Rio's tenure. It was like one of the best Raider games I've seen. And I go online the next day and there's nothing, <laughs> there, I can't, I can't find anything. I can't find anything that says, yep. Oh, good, good job Raiders. That was a great game. You know, it's, Drew Brees is washed and the Saints suck, you know. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, can we get some, you know, can you guys talk about the fact that the that the game plan Gruden had drawn up was perfect? And yeah, this it brings me to an, another point I wanted to talk to you about and it's it's hopefully it works as a form of motivation not just for Derek Carr but for the whole team cuz Derek had that that quote where he came out and said uh that he's tired of being disrespected and kind of wants to play with that chip on his shoulder and, and prove himself more. And I I totally get that, but I think the more you see this team winning and inching closer to either winning the division or sneaking into the playoffs or beating these, you know, elite level teams, I think the disrespect in the shade is going to come even more so. Like, uh, I think his name is like Sam Monson or something like that. Some just whack job at Pro Football Focus. He thinks he's cool because he's got a blue check mark next to his name. And he's just spewing a bunch of BS about Derek Carr. Now, I get it. He is not Tom Brady. He is not Aaron Rodgers. But some of these guys, it's almost like they're out there to make him like he's like a Jamarcus Russell. And it's like, dude, like, come on. And I think that kind of stuff is going to continue the more this team does good. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I think Derek Carr, like, you know, there's clear plays where, you know, like, you know how I haven't been always like the most positive Derek Carr guy, but <laughs> we uh, even each other out. That's why we do this together. Yeah, and like for me though, like ninety nine percent of the time I'm joking. People don't understand that. Like I'm like I'm just I'm trolling most likely. Like I'm not serious. And I I never thought the Raiders were going to find an improvement over Derek Carr this year unless they ended up with like the number one pick, mm-hmm. and they weren't going to do that. And even then, it's not going to be an improvement this year. And with this with the coronavirus ridden off season and everything having a quarterback that has experience in your system is crucial like there's it, you you know you're not you're going to be ahead of everybody else if you have a guy who was there last year and you know like he went 28 for 38 284 and you know three touchdowns and I'm on Twitter and I'm seeing people say oh yeah oh like Derek Carr didn't play that well like no like I like I said I posted I I said I don't care what I've said about Derek Carr. He played great. And mm-hmm. I, I'm getting comments underneath like, well, you know, you can't say he played great yet. You got to see. No, I'm a week by week guy. When he sucks next week, if he did, I'd come on here and I'd tell you exactly what I yeah. thought. And he, he impressed me. I thought the first quarter I was looking, he was just, he was running into sacks. He was not throwing the ball to, you know, rugs wide open downfield or wall or wide open downfield. Yep. Oh, Twitter was then, on fire. During yeah, like that. You would have thought that like he, should have would they should have taken him out of the stadium and sent him sent him uh, back to Fresno you know mm-hmm. like and it, like it's like you know you got to be as a fan like not every you're not gonna make a good throw on every play like Mahomes didn't have a good game on Sunday no you know so there's no um, rhyme or reason to it for what people do and like that you know PFF Sam you know I'm blocked by him and I couldn't tell you why <laughs> and. You know, if he I gets his like, ears on this podcast somehow, then uh, I might join you on that. <laughs> I, th- I, I think I had like an interaction with another him sensitive something. Sally on Twitter. I think I had like an interac- interaction with him about like some Raider related. Oh, you know, the Raiders draft last year, like there's analytic people that like don't think it was good. Oh, yeah. 
And I'm like, you know what? Like, plain and simple, like, I understand, like, Farrell wasn't the greatest value ever. But, like, you know, then you get Max Crosby in the fourth. Like, that evens out as far as, I'm, you know, as far as far as You could even look concerned. at guys that they didn't even freaking draft that have been effective. Yeah. I mean, they got, like, you know, five or six starters out of last <laughs> year. So, I mean, you can't really – they had them ranked, like, 16th on their list of best drafts last year. Oh, like, man. That's a little funky. Yeah. So, but – um. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I wasn't able to join you, but I know you had an opportunity to talk to uh, Henry McKenna from uh, Patriots Wire. Yeah, that was, um, a, so, that was a, a good time, good conversation, and uh, he uh, brought up some so great why, points. Yeah, why don't we, pre, uh, why don't we play that for the fans? Uh, All righty, fans, I'd like to welcome Henry McKenna, the managing editor of the Patriots Wire, for joining us on episode two of the, the Spider 2 Wide Banana podcast. Henry, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Glad glad to have you. So we'll dive right into things here. How has the Patriots identity changed in the post Tom Brady era and in what ways has it remained the same? Um that's a that's a really good question. Um I would say that the way that it has changed is the offensive playbook. Um, that's the most obvious one. Cam Newton arrived and <clears throat> Didn't win the job right away, but it became pretty clear that he was going to. So I think at that point, the Patriots started to build a new playbook around him. It has a lot of the same basics. Um, The fundamentals are the foundation. It's all the same. But obviously, we're seeing a lot more designed quarterback runs, a lot more read option, um, some zone read. So the way that they have tweaked the playbook to highlight their quarterback strength, something that they did, you know, when Brady, when Brady's deep ball got better, you know, they, they tweaked the, the playbook in New England. They got Randy Moss and um, they made the most of that. And then as Brady's pass passes lost a little oomph, I think they started to uh, look to find more players that, that highlighted the the more, quick passing guys that can break beat coverage quickly. So it's, it's, it, it, they've been doing this under the Brady or um, under the Brady era uh, for a long time, but now under the Newton era, it's a much more dramatic shift, obviously. So mm. I guess that answers your question, right? The way that I'm, things have been yeah. the same and the way that yeah. they've been different. So kind of along those same lines, what's the transition of leadership been like going from a guy like Tom Brady to Cam Newton. And then along those lines, how has that impacted the team, and how would you say they've responded? Yeah, I would say, um, interestingly, the Newton leadership style has gelled perfectly with New England. Um, I think he and Brady are definitely different leaders, but I think that Newton's style has not sort of skipped a beat. I think because he won the quarterback competition so quickly – it worked. Um, he's such a big personality that if there had been any sort of like delay with him winning the competition, it'd be sort of weird for him to be like the backup or um, anything but the starter, really. Mm-hmm. And um, but because he has won the starting job, because he's sitting so comfortably in it, and all of a sudden is showing so much command in the offense, I think that uh, it's it's been sort of a natural transition. 
Um, I also think that he's just a little more positive than Brady. I think Brady was sort of a steady presence. Um, he always talked about how he was positive, but then he <laughs> wouldn't actually be all that positive. So, you know, you, you see like Cam Newton defending Nikhil Harry openly. Um, uh, you see, you know, Cam Newton, when he was asked whether they need more receivers, well, Newton was sort of like um, saying, you know, the answer's in our um, receiver room, the answer to sort of, you know, how we get better at receivers. So, uh, you know, I don't think Brady was doing that as much over the last few years. Um, I think Brady was kind of the reason why they decided to bring in Antonio Brown and Muhammad because he was not exactly content with the options that they had. And uh, so, so I think that's, that's been sort of a, a sizable difference. Newton's, Newton's more like happy to be there versus mm-hmm. Brady was like making some d- demands at the end. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, that's a good point right there. Thank you. And also sticking, got a few more questions related to Cam Newton. A friend of mine who writes for the Raider Ramble, Ryan Hawks, was asking, do you think at season's end, is Cam Newton going to be the leading rusher on this team? Yeah, probably. I, I just don't think that they have anyone else who's good. And that's like not a very nice, but it's a very blunt way of looking at it. <laughs> the truth hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sony Michelle uh, is hasn't been good. Not not really since the playoffs of his rookie year. And Rex Burkhead's fine, but I think the Patriots know that if they're going to make the most of him, it's at a limited capacity so that they can get uh, – so they can ensure he doesn't get hurt. And then James White is a pass-catching back who they use as a runner only because it's sort of like an element of surprise that mm-hmm. White that White is a good runner. Uh, he's not exceptional, but um, he's if efficient because when he's on the field, it's a key that the Patriots are going to pass. Mm-hmm. So if they don't pass, if they actually run the ball to him, it, it sort of works um, on occasion. And then um, Damian Harris is the guy that people have sort of circled as the person who's who's probably going to take over the lead back job when he gets off IR. Um, he hurt his pinky and ended up on injured reserve and needed some surgery. So when he returns, probably some the- point – he would be on that three-week IR, right? Right. So he can be back as soon as week four. It's not, nobody's reported the timeline. Um, I don't. I don't know anything about the timeline. So, but again, it could be as soon as week four. But if you if you miss three weeks and Newton's already up um, a considerable amount of rushing, I could see him, you know, kind of protecting his lead as the leading rusher. At a certain point, you know, they got to stop rushing him because he's going to get hurt. But mm-hmm. I just don't think anyone else on the team is going to be particularly productive. The best bet is probably Damian Harris at this point. And kind of sticking along those lines of the Tom Brady, Cam Newton dynamic, one of the interesting things of all the years that Brady was there was he was able to make a substantial amount of money, but was never that guy that necessarily broke the bank or put the team over the edge in terms of salary cap. So with Newton in that contract year type situation, at the end of the year, say the Patriots go 11 and 5, 12 and 4, whatever it may be, and they reach the playoffs. Do you think the Patriots re up on his contract? Because they certainly won't be able to get him at the bargain they, they have him at right now. Right. Yeah. So I think that it depends on where the relationship is with, with, the, with the Patriots and with Newton. 
by about week 17 because, or, you know, yeah, probably by week 17. There's a chance they do like a midseason extension with him. But what happens with a lot of these like super um, high caliber players who really buy in is that it works for a year, maybe a few more. Um, but you could probably start to see at the end of the year whether they're like an unconditional buy-in guy or if they're just doing this for a year to make money. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see a guy like Jamie Collins last year who came in, he bought in for a year again, even though, you know, he kind of, he, he had a bit of a falling out last time he was in New England. He bought in for a year and he, and he did so because he knew he was going to be productive and make big money again next year. And that Mm -hmm. ended up being being this year, right? So if that's sort of Newton's mindset where he's like, I'm going to make this work for a year and, you know, it's kind of, it's not my style, but it's it's good enough and, you know, Belichick's going to help me, you know, dust the the rust off my my career and I can go, you know, have a more relaxed environment and kind of kick butt and take names Mm -hmm. somewhere else. If Newton get comes to the end of week 17 and he's like, yeah, you know, this is this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my career, but I want to do it four more times with Belichick, then I think they'll they'll extend him um, if he takes a sort of reasonable deal because the Patriots have actually cleared a lot of cap space over the next year. Um, they'll have some rollover from all the opt outs and they they have the second most cap space in 2021. So they have some freedom to give Cam Newton money, uh, like real quarterback money. Maybe not mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, five hundred, <laughs> half a million, half a billion dollar man. But but they, but they'll be um, able to be competitive. So I guess um, it's it's sort of a non-answer. But my answer is it totally could happen, but it's a little bit too early to tell. Now, kind of focusing more on the week at hand as the Raiders are traveling to take on the Patriots. So after a shootout on Sunday night, in what ways could you see the Raiders possibly further exposing the Patriots D? And then on the reverse side of that, how do you see a guy like Bill Belichick taking advantage of the Raiders banged up offensive line? Yeah. So on defense, um, I think the Patriots, they looked vulnerable in a way that they're actually not. The secondary is the strength of their defense. It's just that Russell Wilson was so darn good in week two that they couldn't stop him. So I think it would be sort of foolish for Gruden and Carr to think that they're going to have a a big day. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, I think the best way to do it is is use Josh Jacobs and uh, power through the middle of the Patriots defense, which which proved – now two weeks in a row, I'd say to be pretty susceptible to the run. The linebackers just aren't that fast or big. They're playing a lot of safeties at linebacker, so I could see back like Jacobs, who has plenty of power, but but also plenty of shimmy, having a nice day, um, and so a little ball control and and um, efficient drives would be sort of the Raiders' recipe to beating New England's defense. Uh, as far as the Patriots' defense. Um, I think that you're, you're right. I think they, they could do, um, like Dietrich wise and, and chase Winovich have been really, really good at rushers so far this season. Um, Lawrence guy and Adam Butler 
are really good interior players with Butler being more of a pass rush guy and Lawrence Guy being more of like a space-eating run defender. So those would be kind of the guys that you want to check out. If rookies Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings, players most fans probably haven't heard of. Um, but that's why we got you on the podcast. You know all about them. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, so Uche is a second-round pick this year, and Jennings is a third-round pick this year. Neither guy has played very much. In fact, Uche has not played at all. But just judging from last week when they were playing a bunch of safeties in the box and the safeties didn't look big enough to uh, get off their blocks, I would be interested to see if those rookies start to play more. Uh, and, and I think it might benefit the Patriots to have those guys in the, start, in the starting lineup or at least as, as sub, uh, in sub roles. And we got one more uh, fan question that was submitted actually by my brother-in-law. He is a diehard Raiders fan, but he's also a Bay Area loyalist. So he wanted to know, when is Devin Asiasi going to get some targets from De La Salle High School? There you go. Uh, so another player who's a rookie who's barely played. The Patriots have really gone conservative with basically every rookie with, with well, with the exception of two, Kyle Duggar, a safety and uh, Michael Anwenu, uh, uh tackle, but um, who plays the third tackle role. Um, so anyways, that doesn't answer the question. Yeah, the question <laughs> is um, Devin Asiasi, and I am curious to see when he can make an impact. I, I don't think it'll be this week, honestly, because they've used him um, almost exclusively as an inline ball on jumbo packages. And that's not like, I mean, that's a, it's a, in the Patriots offense these days. It's, and then uh, for the game, what is your game prediction? The, I think the Patriots win this one. I think it's, um, it's going to be closer. And uh, I think it's closer than, than we previously anticipated, but I think Patriots win by about three. Um, and I think it's, let's, let's just guess it's 27, 23, 24. <laughs> <laughs> What I see, I have a little different one. I think it's going to be I, I might be completely wrong when I say this, but I think it's going to be a, another shootout. The Raiders' defense is scary in my opinion, and as long as Carr can keep putting up points, I think week to week it'll be a shootout. But keeping things focused on the Patriots, what would be your overall season re- record prediction for the Pats? Uh, it's changing a lot now. Um, I would say let's say ten wins, so ten and six. Ten and six. All right, I got the Raiders at at the same ten and six. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, Henry, thank you so much for joining us. Look forward to having having you on again at some point. Yeah, of course. Yep. Good right, to be talk, here. Talk to you later. Yep. All right. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview there with Henry McKenna from the Patriots Wire. Uh, thanks for doing that, Chris, and getting us some uh, insight on our opponent coming up here, the one-and-one New England Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very, it was a very new look New England Patriots. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun um, interview, and that that was some of the stuff we were able to dive into. Is just you know how different they are from going from someone like Tom Brady all the way to Cam Newton. Yeah, yeah, and I was thinking about it, you know, on my car ride home today from work, and I was, I was looking, you know, listening to ESPN Radio, and the, the, you know, the there's three things they talk about on there. It's you know the Patriots, <laughs> the Cowboys. It doesn't matter what their records are. And, you know, uh, <laughs> LeBron James. So, um, so I'm listening to him and they're talking about, you know, the Patriots. And, uh, you know, you would think the Patriots are going into a bye week. But, uh, 
you know, as far as this matchup goes, um, I think it's, uh, you know, as Henry was talking about, you know, the, the Patriots have a new identity. They have Cam Newton. They have a new playbook. Like, uh, not not necessarily a new playbook, but it gives Josh McDaniels a little bit of uh, freedom, you know, mm-hmm. to have a quarterback that can run a little bit and, you know, not Bra- – you know, Brady's a good quarterback, but he has his limitations at this point. And, um, you know, I think I think it's really, you know, really important to, uh, you know, for the Raiders, they haven't really – Teddy Bridgewater's mobile, but he's not like – You don't think of know, him as, like, necessarily like a threat, like, oh, this no. guy's going to run for 25 yards on this play, like – yeah, he, he they're can not use designing runs for him. To. Yeah, they're not designing run plays for him. So Cam Newton is that running back, though. James White's out. Uh, I think you know the first topic that I had you know listed for us to discuss about this game is the injuries, and obviously we know the Raiders are banged up, man. And uh, Henry Ruggs was announced out today. Um, you know, no Trent Brown, uh, no uh, Kwiatkowski again. So those are three key key factors for him. And Richie Incognito went on IR this week, but uh, the Raiders aren't the only banged up team. Uh, the Patriots are missing center David Andrews, and they're missing running back James White, uh, two key players. So, how do you think those injuries are going to affect both teams, Chris? And do you think it's uh, the Raiders should just not even show up like ESPN <laughs> thinks? <laughs> well, I, I think uh, they should still show up. It's probably in their best interest. But right. uh, I, the one that concerns me the most would be the absence of Henry Ruggs because you and I were texting about it when uh, when we got the news about Ruggs. Um, actually, I might be mistaking. I, I was texting – oh, I believe it was my brother-in-law actually about, about the whole Ruggs thing was that essentially last week – he probably was dealing with those ailments as well and was just kind of that decoy out there and it worked. Um, but obviously a couple it, times. It, yeah. it wasn't enough to, uh, to have him a full go for a week three. So that's, that's kind of a concern. I'm going to be curious to see how that impacts cars game offensively. Like last week he was dishing the ball out. Like he always does. He hit 11 different pass catchers. Um, so it's not like he just keys in on one guy, although when you do look at the stats, he does get the ball to Waller a lot. But in terms of the receivers on the outside, he's never really fixated on one specific receiver. So I'm curious to see if the Raiders do take any of those deep shots with either if they activate Gafford or Aguilar. But for the most part, that's where the concern lies. The O-line, there is some concern but with the way they've I just been don't able know to how play, they're gonna do it. Yeah. I just don't I just don't know what they're gonna do there, like with the O line, you know, because you have um Sam Young's practice this week, but he's you know, they they haven't really given us Gruden's being really hush hush on mm-hmm. everything. And uh like nobody even knew Henry Ruggs was risking missing practice and or missing the game this week until he was announced out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that like if Sam Young plays, I, I think I would still go Good and Simpson. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what, how you feel about that. I, mean, I was just interrupting. I was just interrupting you because we have some options. Yeah, there. And, and if you have if you have a healthy Sam Young and you have a healthy Denzel Good, Denzel Good's been playing so good at right tackle. I don't know if I'd want to move him to guard and put Sam Young at tackle. I think I want to leave Good where he's been playing well. Yeah, yeah. If it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So just like, roll with what was working and. Say a prayer that yeah, it continues in New England. <laughs> the only thing I would say is if uh, if Simpson uh, he struggled a little bit, and uh, like you know, Raider fans they love positivity, and so like you know, you would have thought Simpson played the game like the best game anyone's ever seen by looking at Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But when you rewatch the All-22 and you see, like, you know, he was getting pushed back just about every play. But it's his fir- – but you got to get reminded that that's his first snap as a pro player. Like, he didn't play in the preseason. And, like, it's his first snap as a pro player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got guys, like, you know, on that defensive line, Rankins, Cam Jordan, you know, like, just – you have beasts on that line. And so I wasn't expecting him to play well. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But he had an 11.4 grade on – pro football focus, uh, pa- uh, pass blocking. Mm. And, um, uh, so that'll have to improve, yeah. but I think, I think I would initially go with good at tackle Simpson at guard. If Simpson's struggling, you can go, okay, good. Go back over there. And here comes Sam. Yep. And I'll be okay with it. As long as I, you know, there's one guy I just hope we don't see. And then <laughs> I'm not going to name. I don't want to bash. Name shall not be said. <laughs> I think Raider nation knows who you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you know it's like uh what what do you hit in baseball when you uh you hit a home run inside the you know you, you didn't go out of the you know I'm just kidding but uh you know I think that with the injuries as well you know teams game plan around them so um I'm pretty excited about some matchups that the Raiders have and they can kind of exploit a little bit and. uh so I was, you know, thinking, what do you think is like a, a the three things that you think the Raiders have to do to win this game? I would say just the O line up front. They got to stay consistent in on defense. Four stops. There, there's been so many times, even early on in the Saints game and in Week One, where they weren't forcing, you know, a quick three and out or anything like that. It was if they were driving down or the Raiders. I frankly, I hate to say, I think they got a little bit lucky on that interception uh, that Mora was able to get. Um, It was just a, I don't know if you'll ever see an easier, a very lackluster (laughs) throw. I was dumbfounded. I I thought there was going to be some sort of penalty or something. I was like, Raiders don't get interceptions just that easy. Like that just doesn't happen. I thought like he pushed the receiver down. Yeah. I was like, something had to have happened because that's just not normal. Um, so I would say just establishing that sense on defense of just, I mean, if you get a turnover, that's great, but let's just, let's see some consistency as far as three and outs go. I, I feel like I haven't seen that that often. I think less than five times in two games. I don't know. And then uh, special teams, Daniel Carlson. Uh, I, I kind of stole the, the moniker from uh, Eddie Pascal, the senior writer for the actual Raiders organization. I saw on his uh, Instagrams uh, that he would post last season, he always called him Cash Money Carlson. And I started bringing that back after he, he was the special teams player of the week in week one. He hits the game-winning 54-yarder to kind of clinch things last week. So if Cash Money Carlson can can keep a good pace, I, I, I think things will, will bode well for the Raiders in New England. Well, well, yeah, nobody was talking about Carlson in a positive manner last year. And that, you know, that's one of those things that I, like, I'll always – be always you know admit when you know i was i I did not expect carlson to make either one of those kicks as we talked about on the last uh episode Mm -hmm. uh you know i will i left the room again i'm like i can't watch this dude like it's another 54 yard field goal there's no way he makes two Mm -hmm. you know like this year this year you know and he does he just nailed it and that would have been good from six oh yeah so um i'm stoked about carlson right now and for me uh the three keys that i i've seen and um you know i'll i'll try try to go a little bit of a different route for you than you did but i think they uh, like i agree stops on defense and that starts with qb pressure you can't let 
uh, Newton just sit back there, run wherever he wants. Um, I think there's two ways they can do that. Uh, I think Corey Littleton has kind of struggled mm-hmm. so far. And again, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Raiders beat put out a, a good article. I think it was Raiders beat could have been Raiders wire, but I think it was Raiders beat put out an article on how the Raiders prized free agent signing needs to step up. Yeah. And it, it's tough because it's, again, he's in, he's in a new system in a really weird and he, year and, too, to, to join. A and, new and he didn't, yeah. And you didn't get any pre and the Raiders track record the last four or five years free agent wise hasn't been and great. You spent three quarters of your off season learning your new system via zoom. <laughs> so, yeah. So people are going to be a little more critical on Littleton based because of the failures we've had in the past of other guys. So I think that Littleton's going to play a huge role on Sunday. He's going to spy Newton. They need like, you know, if you, if you watch the Patriots offense, it, it runs through Newton oh, yeah. right now. That's the focal and, and point. If you, so Littleton's, they're going to have to have a spy on him, and I think Littleton's going to play that role. So that's and then also, I think that uh, QB pressure when he's in the pocket, make Cam Newton beat you in the pocket, spy him with Littleton, and then you know uh, their starting centers out. They have two pretty good guards, but Maurice Hurst and Malik Collins. Maurice Hurst needs more snaps. I'm going to just I agree start with that, that retweet. <laughs> um, the the tw- the 22 snaps is not enough for him. So Farrell, Nazib, you know, all those guys, they're going to need to create pressure inside because the, the starting center for the um, New England Patriots on Sunday has never taken an NFL snap. He's uh, actually, he's the second player ever uh, from Denmark, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, he's never taken an NFL snap besides like on special teams. So that's where you need, you need to take advantage of the weaknesses, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't have too many of them, but that's one of them. And, uh, you know, you need to be able to isolate those things. And I think Gruden will plan around that. Um, and I think that the next one for me is, you know, you got to stop Julian Edelman, oh, obviously. Yeah. And that's my key matchup for the game. Ding, 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 ding. LaMarcus uh, Joyner has not – been a fan favorite and i think that if he has his a good game he can change that very quickly i said that on twitter it's uh you know you don't have um you have a fan base that will be loyal as all hell to their Mm -hmm. players but they'll turn on you pretty quickly like i i guess that's very hypocritical of me to say when they like you oh yeah yep you know but if they they don't like you they're gonna let you know if they don't like yeah and so LaMarcus Joyner has not been impressive since he's been here. People say he's playing out of position, whatever. Anyway, Julian Edelman's the pretty much the only weapon that the Patriots have on offense besides Newton. And, you know, he had 175 179 yards last week. On eight 179, catches. yeah. He's on my fantasy yeah. team. So and, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I have, I have him too, but I just couldn't remember. 179. And you can't allow that to happen. And so you got one of the, one of the guys who's been just not very good in the slot at a corner against one of the best slot wide receivers in the game. And that's a key matchup for me. And that's uh, one thing that the Raiders need to do to win that game. And uh, their backup center. Now that I found it, cause I couldn't remember is Hajalte H J A L T E Froholt. So, that's the key to victory right there is you got to exploit that matchup in the middle Hurst and 
you know, blitz the linebacker up the middle. And then Julian Edelman, you got to isolate him. And then my last one is just run, baby. I like it. Just Josh Jacobs up the and middle. And that's what that's that what league. Henry McKenna talked about in the interview was he said he he if the Raiders want to, you know, exploit the defense and stuff like that, don't try to replicate necessarily what the Seahawks did by Russell Wilson just going nuts, throwing the ball, grounded pound with what's been working, and that's Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and you got to realize what kind of team you are. And even with our, you know, starting right tackle and our starting right uh, left guard out, um, the Raiders are a hard-nosed running team. And the reason that car was so successful on Sunday, Monday, was that in the, you know, in the situations when he had to make a throw, the defense wasn't necessarily like expecting him to throw. They were thinking they're keying in on Josh Jacobs. And they're going to do that again on Sunday. And so that's like, when I say just run bit, it's not, I don't need Josh Jacobs to have a 200 yard game mm-hmm. every week. I want them to think, he might. <laughs> you know, that's it. It's, and then when, when Derek Carr's thrown to Brian Edwards and he's single covered, you know, that's why, you know, and again, we didn't get to it, but you know, you, you, you were really excited about Darren mm-hmm. Waller and he makes he makes everybody else's life oh, yeah. easier. Quick little stat on so him. Those are... Just got to throw it in here before we wrap up. Amongst NFL tight yeah. ends, 38% target share, 18 receptions, uh, 87 yards after contact, 11 first, down, first downs, zero dropped passes. All of those rank first among all, all NFL tight ends. It's time to start saying what it is. He is the best tight end in football right now. That's my opinion. Uh, others... The I, bat. I, oh the stats God. don't lie, and I so many times people are like, oh, he's one of the best, so he's one of the best. Well, right now in 2020, who are you taking over him? I mean, you can make arguments for other guys like Johnny Smith has been killing it for the Titans. Uh, there's always the Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. I know he's been injured, but right now, heading into Week Three, yeah. Aaron Waller's the best tight end in football. Yeah, I think that. I agree with you as a Raider fan. I love Darren Waller and I wouldn't trade. Like my thing is whenever this conversation comes up with any sort of player, right? Like if you're like a, if you're a Patriots or a, sorry, a Ravens fan and you have Lamar Jackson. Okay. You wouldn't trade Lamar Jackson for Patrick. Mahomes, no. Right. So I wouldn't trade Darren Waller right now for Travis Kelsey, but as far as like ranking the top five tight ends and stuff, he's in the conversation with Kittle. He's in the conversation with Kelsey. He's in the conversation with Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews always gets forgotten by people. And those are your top four, some order. And, you know, I have some Eagle fan, Eagle friends that like Zach Ertz, and he's getting old, and he doesn't block You can make the well argument right now he, in 2020 yeah. that Dallas Goddard is better than Zach Ertz. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my thing with Waller is we were talking about it on Monday night is last year he couldn't break tackles. Like that was his one thing was he would catch the ball and he goes mm-hmm. down, right? which is, you know, who else does that? Zach Ertz. And that's why Zach Ertz was never considered the number one tight end in football. It was always like, he's the number two guy. And Waller, the two things that I really wanted to see him improve in was like, get some yards after contact. And as you just mentioned, he's the number one in the league and as a tight end and then blocking. And as uh, John Gruden said in his interview, you know, it's like having an extra lineman. He's blocking so good. So he's a complete tight end. 
and that's what people were holding back on him a little bit was that he couldn't block as well as Kittle and he couldn't block as well as Kelsey, mm-hmm. you know. And now he does, now he's he must have you know worked on that all off season because he is. And we talked about it last week, and you know uh, we might go a little longer than we expected here tonight, but there's a lot to talk about. But I, uh, you know, the guys that we were impressed with last year: Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, Renfro. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you have a list of guys that you're like, I'm really excited to see him play in there, you know, again, you know, and Waller wasn't a rookie, but that was like his coming out party. And, but every player has a weakness and it seems like the Raiders players really, they honed in on what their weaknesses are. Uh, Josh Jacobs, again, like passing, pass catching and blocking, and he's improved in both. He had uh, three catches on Monday, Mm -hmm. I believe. And, um, so he's already almost like in two games to his total from last year. Like he's like, he's at like 45% of his total from last year in at mm-hmm. pass catching. And, and his, now his run blocking is good. I mean, sorry, his pass blocking is good. So what it does is it just gives the Raiders a little bit more, you know, uh, they can be flexible and they can be creative because on third down, you don't have to bring in, a different running back and you don't have to bring in a blocking tight end, you know, so you can leave those guys on the field and the defense doesn't know what you're going to do. So I'm excited about it. And I'm, I'm happy that these guys are working and it's really a shout oh, out definitely. to the staff. You can on yeah, all fronts it, with that O line, all of it. Like the coaching is just been amazing. Well, and then, you know, I think we, you know, can discuss a little bit more about the defense and I don't know what your thoughts are, but, you know, coming into the season, I didn't ever have high expectations Mm-mm. for the defense. And pe- pe- people can say, like, I'm, like, not positive. And oh, I no. Like know, I said, I with, like when it, I was talking you know, about Waller, that I feel like is a realistic assessment of Waller. Same thing for the defense. I have been in my interview with Henry McKenna. I talked about it. I talked about it week one on the podcast. Here we are again. Uh this defense is it, below average is a very nice way of putting it because that might even be a compliment. Yeah, but I mean, like the reason that I wa- I'm excited about the defense. At the oh yeah, no, that, because it, I have. Totally. You see a guy like Jonathan Abram, it, it, so that like, that's and Max Crosby. Like you have the flashes that are there with the young young guns at corner. Like it's there, but like I'll call it what it is for right now. Yeah, and for me, it's like okay, you have Abram basically a rookie Molin rookie and basic I mean a second year corner uh you know rookie Arnett Littleton first year in the system then you have Kwiatkowski he's hurt but first year in the system then you have Crosby second year in the system Farrell second year in the system you know then in the middle you have Hankins who's like your veteran but you you have seven guys that are first or second year in that system Mm -hmm. So you're not, you know, you, there's going to be bumps, but let's see if you know they they looked better last week than they did in the first week. Let's see what happens this week. You know, you're playing another juggernaut, and uh, you know to wrap it up a little bit. Um, what do you think the final score will be? <laughs> and there's a train horn in my background. Sleep train. Time to that? go to bed. That was like that's it's telling us to. Uh, well, real wrap qu- real it up, quick, huh? real quick. Yeah. Before we touch on the final score, we always got to end every episode with uh, a good question so my question for you matt is what current player yeah what's, what's that, that train, train no, what current player on the raiders roster could you see or for whatever whatever however you want to take this playing another sport so i'll start real quick 
I'm gonna go with. Uh, no, I guarantee. I guarantee. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You're not. I I can promise you, you're not gonna take mine. I'm gonna say okay. Derek Carr. So right okay. now, dude's got a 73.5 completion percentage. What does that mean? It means the dude is accurate. He knows his placement. He knows where he wants something to go. Derek Carr would be the captain on my U.S. men's curling team. That's a good one. I wasn't <laughs> gonna go like that. I was. <laughs> You know, um, I'd like to see Darren Waller play okay, basketball. Okay, I like that. <laughs> that was... it's, a pretty, it's a pretty easy one. There we go. That's an easy one. But, uh, I've, I, you know, that's a good question. Maybe Renfro playing, like, <laughs> basketball would <laughs> be fun to watch. Could he dunk it? You know, that's, that's what I – yeah, I was thinking Ren, Hunter Renfro is a uh, – you know, he hasn't really had his coming out party yet this year, but he's yeah. made a couple crucial catches. I'm making my bold prediction, and I'm gonna. This is my question for you. What's yours? I'm going Hunter Renfro, hundred yards and a touchdown on All Sunday. All right, I like that. You know, I'm gonna say bold prediction. Oh, let's see. What's bold? What's realistic? I'm gonna say Alec Ingold scores two touchdowns. That's a good one. All right, my final score prediction this week. Raiders 27, Patriots 24, Daniel Carlson walk off field. I'm going to say Raiders defeat the Patriots 31-25 on a game-winning touchdown drive, just like we've seen Derek Carr do so many times. How do you come up with some of the stuff you come up with? Hey, it's going to – you watch, it'll happen. It'll it'll happen. You you say that now. (laughs) You know, last time I checked, I got the score right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So – all right, Chris. Well, nice chat. Always with a you, pleasure. As always, buddy. Um, let's go Raiders, and we'll get this victory, and we'll let um, we'll let the music play it out into the sunset <laughs> for tonight. <laughs>